He's an awesome God. So glad that you're here with us. And uh, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Am I in the party crowd? Is this the party crowd? Did I, did I show up to the right service? Come on, where are my partiers at? We're the ones who say, come on, we ready. So we ready. We ready. I'm ready, for, I'm ready to share this word with you today. Hey, before I do, I want to say uh, greetings from my church, Piedmont Chapel, and from my wife, Whitney. And just, man, we're just so glad that we get to be a part of your story. Uh, be close with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Megan and the whole team here. And we just, we've gotten to know and see God, what he's doing in your church. And uh, miraculously, uh, you guys have went from being portable, like during a pandemic, during all that stuff that happened last year, you went from being uh, setting up and tearing down and portable and all that to getting your own facility. Come on, can we give God praise for what he's doing here? I told Brandon, I'm not jealous, but I'm mad because I'm still portable. And I'm jealous because I am like looking at what God is doing. I'm like, man, come on. It's so cool just to see God's hand on your church and uh, what he's doing here. And man, we're going to have fun today. I'm glad that I'm here uh, to share with you in the middle of a series, best summer ever. It's been a pretty good summer for me. Uh, if you're looking at this shirt and you're like, what in the world? Don't judge. I'm coming with the summer vibes. I was in Maui last week. Just flew in just to be here with you this weekend. Come on. And uh, so I'm glad that I'm here and I'm bringing the summer vibes all the way from Maui. It's going to be an incredible summer. I want to talk to you today about the path to purpose. And before we jump in, can we welcome all those who are watching online and all those who are joining us from everywhere around both this community and throughout. We're glad that you're with us. And uh, we're going to be together for about 25 minutes, whether you're online or you're here in the room. And, uh, and then if you're here, you get to eat ice cream. Come on, best summer ever. Ice cream. Kids are bouncing for Jesus. Praise the Lord. How many of your parents are like, wear them out, wear them out? So they'll take a nap when they get home. And, uh, and so today, just jumping in, looking at this idea of purpose. And that God has a plan or a path to our purpose. And, uh, and maybe you'll be surprised by the end of this sermon at how you get to that purpose. But the truth is, is that God is not interested just in buildings. He's not interested in the budget of the church. He's not just trying to stack bodies in a room. He's not trying to build a crowd. He's trying to build a family. Somebody say family. And God wants to build his family, his sons and daughters. And there's a scripture in Romans, and we're going to look in verse 18, where Paul is trying to convince people who are religious, people who worship. They, in Rome, they worshiped all kinds of gods. They built statues to deities. And they would uh, they'd worship a sun god, they worship a sex god, they worship uh, a summer god, they worship, they was just gods for everything. There was, and, and they had all these different gods that competed, and, and they were always trying to please the gods of the time. And, and it, all of us know these are little g gods, they're not real gods, they're man-made deities and statues and man-made temples. And you can still go today and see where they built... Uh, huge coliseums in the honor of, of these gods that are not living. They're dead and, and they're made by the, the hands of men. And then Paul in, encounters Jesus and he writes a letter to Rome and he says, guys, this is what God's all about. He, and this is, let's look in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, read that again, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted. Somebody say adopted. That's a word that comes with this idea of family, adopted. You get adopted into God's family. For he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. And the last verse says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Let me pray. 
Pray with me. Lord, uh, today we're going to look at the path to purpose. Today I'm asking for every person who's listening to the sound of my voice, both here and online, God, that they would respond to what you want to do in their life, that we would open ourselves up and say, God, we didn't come to check a box. God, we came to be in your presence. We are here today listening and responding. And so, God, have your way. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do in this room. Lord, right now, I pray that God will be awakened to the truth of your word. Let your anointing move in this place. And Holy Spirit, change us. And if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who doesn't know you, we pray that all people would find new life in Christ. And the church said together a good amen. How many of you know that family is crazy? You ever been to a family reunion? Huh? That's good preaching right there. You've been to a family reunion? I've got an Aunt Karen. Come on, let's just talk about that. Yeah, some of y'all picked up on that. So I got an Aunt Karen, and God bless her. She's amazing. But how many of you know every time when somebody's name comes up, the first thing you say, if, it, if the first thing you say is, bless their heart, you know. We're in the South. We know what that means. And Aunt Karen's just like that. And when she comes to the family reunion, she's a little extra. And she got, she, her hair might be dyed blue, who knows? You know, you never know. She's just a little extra. And every family has some people that are going to come in with, uh, with flaws and all. But you know what? I'm grateful that in God's family, he doesn't kick out the Aunt Karen because he didn't kick me out. I am glad that God says you can come with your past. Come on, I'm preaching now. That God says you can come with your problems. God says you can come with your burdens. You can come with your addictions. You can come with your, problem, your, your, your issues. And God's not offended by them. And God is not trying to build bigger buildings. How many of you know there's some denominations and some religious institutions that have big mosques and big buildings, but God's not there? God's not looking for buildings. God's not looking for bigger crowds. You can have a big crowd and no move of God. You can have a social event on Sunday where everybody's coming and they're wearing their Sunday best, but yet God is not in that place. It's become a social club. But every now and then you get lucky enough to find a group of people who aren't in it for the buildings. They're not in it for the event. They're not in it to be entertained. They're in it because they want to touch heaven. They're in it because the Spirit of God is there and it's moving. I believe that that's what God is doing through Radiate Church. I believe that right here, there's a group of people who understand that God is trying to build a family. He's looking for sons and daughters. Notice that scripture said that whatever leads your life is the Lord of your life. It says if you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a child of God. It didn't say how much you give determines if you're a child of God. It didn't say how often you attend. It didn't say uh, how much you've, good works you've done. It doesn't say how many scriptures you know. It says if you're led by the Spirit of God, then you are a child of God. Today I want to ask you, what leads your life? It's so easy for us to let anything lead our life. If the devil cannot defeat us, he will distract us. Can I get a good amen? He will begin to distract you from the things of God. He'll distract you from worship. He'll distract you from, from ministry. He'll distract you from your calling. He will distract you from being in the presence of God. And one day you'll look up and you go, how long has it been since I prayed? You ever done that? I have. I'm a pastor. I'll be honest. I look up and I say, man, when's the last time I opened up the word? When's the last time I, I, I some of us, we find ourselves going, when's the last time I went to church? When's the last time I gave to the kingdom?" The enemy, he tries to divert us and distract us, but whatever leads our life is the Lord of our life. It says that if the Spirit of God leads your life, then you're a child of God. So what's leading you today? 
And so I just want to kind of talk to you about letting God be your father, letting him have control, surrendering and saying, Jesus, no longer is it my life and then a little bit of religion added in, but instead it's not I have my life, I have my ambitions, I have my goals, I have my dreams. And then at the end of the day, maybe if I can get a little Jesus in there, we'll be good because I want to make sure I make it to heaven. No, Christianity is not I have my life with a little Jesus. Christianity is Jesus is my life. Christianity is he laid down his life so that I could find mine. I know that's old school preaching right there, but it is when you say, Lord, you have control. You're the father. You guide me. You direct me. You correct me. I give you permission to push on me and to reorganize my life and to change my priorities. I give you permission today, God, to, to change and shift me. Watch this in Psalms or Psalm 68, verse 6, the Bible said, God placed the lonely in a family. He places the lonely in a family. And then what does he do after that? It says he, he sets the prisoner free and gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious to live in a sun-scorched land. When I look at that scripture, I see two ways. I can either live in a family I can be set free. I was a prisoner, thank God, by grace. He set me free. He broke my chains. I can live on that side of the scripture, or I can live over on the other side, which says I can be rebellious. God, I don't want your rules. God, I don't want your scriptures. God, I don't want, I don't want any of the responsibility of being a Christian. I don't want to follow Jesus. And it says you're going to live in a sun-scorched land. How many of you know I'm not trying to live out there? I want to be, I want to be on the other side of that verse. So God desires what is God trying to do, this experiment of humanity, this planet that's just far enough away from the sun that it doesn't burn up and just close enough that it doesn't freeze? This planet where God created all of this and then makes us in his image and creates us to rule over the planet. Was he looking to create a government? Was he looking to create some, uh, some organization? Was he looking to create some some, uh, maybe some of us thought that God's looking for some kind of servitude and some type of like slavery type, you're Lord and I'm a slave. Maybe we grew up in that religion where we kind of come on our knees groveling into God's presence. No, the Bible just said he's not looking for fearful slaves. He's looking for confident children. He's looking for sons and daughters who can crawl up in his lap and say, God, you're a good father. God is looking to break down this idea of of us, what did he do all of this for? Why did he create this planet and put us here in his image? Here's why, here's the big idea. He was looking for a family. God wanted to see, have you ever had kids and they reflect your image and sometimes you're like, man, I wish you didn't take after me. You know, sometimes, you know, it's like you do stuff. I remember when I was a kid just, and, and God creates us in his image and he looks at us and he's pleased in us and we get to reflect his glory on the earth. But somehow it became a religious thing and it became a ceremony and it become this the idea, just somehow it became this legalism and, and, and we lost the sensitivity to God just wants his children to crawl into his lap today and spend time with the father. Who do you go to first and who do you go to most? Because God is saying, stop running to that first and stop running to that most. He wants you to run to the Father first and most. He wants you to be able to come to him. And you know what? I'm so glad that I'm in a church today where I can come to Jesus. Come on. 
where I could come as I am. Doesn't matter my color, doesn't matter my background, doesn't matter my political affiliation. The Bible says that God came so that all people, come on. And this is a church where anybody can come to God. God takes the lonely, and it's the enemy. It's the enemy who wants to isolate us. I just want to remind you today, if you find yourself in a place nobody understands me, nobody gets me, nobody knows what I'm going through, dude, I have been there. Nobody, nobody, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, you know, kind of a thing. If you get into that spot, it's the enemy that whispers and says, it's just you. It's the enemy that whispers into your mind, you're, you're messed up, you've got too many problems. The truth is, if you could tune out that voice and you could listen to the Spirit of God, it's beckoning you into his family. There's no perfect people allowed here. Nobody's got it all together. This is a family of people that all have our struggles, flaws and all, but God still says there's a seat at the table for you. And for those who are lonely today, I want to tell you, it's the enemy that's making you feel isolated and alone, and it's God who's saying there's room for you in the family. And I guarantee at this church, there's room for everybody. Amen? And so today, I just want to give you a couple ideas. One is that the way to get into this, to, to kind of take your place in the family of God, that God is saying, I have adopted you in. First, you have to organize your life around what matters most to you. Matthew chapter uh, 6 and verse 33 said, but seek first the kingdom of God and after you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. And if, if we were to ask everybody right now, pull out your phone and we want you to text to 84321 or something like that, text us your top three priorities. Because I'm in the Bible Belt and I know how we are, we'd be like God first. Some of us might be like God, family, country. Some of us might be like God, uh, church, family, God, family, church. We'd have some list of priorities, but if we were to follow us around for a week, we might find out that our real priorities are making money. Come on, somebody. Maybe watching a little football. Come on, I can smell it. It's right around the corner. It's, dude, I'm telling you, and it's like one of those things where you come, if you're not careful, you're, you'll say that this is my priorities. Everybody says they have priorities. What we lack is organization around our priorities. And so when we begin to see everybody, I heard this recently, you don't rise to the level of your goals. I have a goal to pray more. Maybe you prioritize prayer. But if, if I have a goal to pray more, but I don't have a plan to pray, I doubt I'll pray. I don't rise to the level of my aspirations or goals. I fall to the level of my disciplines. And so you have priorities every year. Come on, how many of you know at the beginning of the year you put down a list of the things, I'm going to do these things? But what we lack is a plan. In the body of Christ, especially in America, especially since the printing press and we've, everybody has a Bible, it hasn't been a lack of education or a lack of information. It's been a lack of execution. We know what we're supposed to do. We just ain't going to do it. And it's time for me to organize my life around what I say I prioritize. That if, the, you know, the Holy Spirit's following us around, and he's like, hey, remember when you said that, that, that you know, you were going to follow me? And it's like, no, wait a minute. In our life, we get, it's, it's, it's not that we don't know what to do. It's that often we just don't do it. I know what it takes to have a six-pack. I just ain't willing to go there. I ain't willing to eat like that. Come on, somebody. I know what it's like. I've seen these people in CrossFit. I will take my dad bod. I'm happy with it. My wife likes it. I'm good. I, I, I'm just not willing to go through the pain. I know what it's like to, to I know what I, I would take to have more money. How many of you have heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey? Anybody ever heard of this guy? He's made 
bukus of money, millions and millions of dollars off of saying things like this. You should spend less than you make. Wow. Really? And that's how you save money. He says, now listen, here's what you need to do. You need to tell your money where to go. You need a budget. Really? I need a budget. These are not, these are not discoveries. These are disciplines. He's saying you got to be disciplined. And what I'm saying is, in your life, if you're not careful, your faith will become an option instead of an opportunity. In your life, your faith will become an obligation instead of an opportunity. But what it is, is it's an opportunity to live into being the best version of yourself. And God's plan works, but here's the part. you got to work God's plan. This book, this Bible, it gives us a plan to find freedom, to be fulfilled. It gives us a plan to be delivered. It gives us a plan for healing. It gives us a plan for financial freedom. It gives us a plan. And it's not that we really need to go to church and go, ah. It's that when we go to church, we go, ouch. Because it reminds us of what we already knew, but we just are not willing to do. And so today, I'm not here to go, ah. I'm here to go, yeah, let's go. Let's actually prioritize our life. Let's actually organize our life around our priorities. Let's get a plan so we actually get a year from now, try it. Kick, no more kicking the tires on church. No more saying, well, maybe I'll join a life group. Well, maybe I'll get connected. One day I might serve. No, what would a church look like where everybody said, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I'm going to get in the game. Come on, that's good preaching right there. That's how you change a community. That's how we get out there and we change the world is when we get after it. And, and I believe today, you know, when I used to hear things like prioritize your life around God, I thought that meant I need to like wake up in the morning uh, and spend like three hours in prayer. How many of you know ain't nobody got three hours to pray? Come on, let's just be honest. Don't judge me. If you do it this week, call me and we'll talk about it. You can correct me. But I, you might, if you got four kids like I got, you might have 30 minutes to get the day started and maybe 30 minutes in worship. You know, you, you got to find time. Here's the deal, though. It's not about some prioritizing your life around God. It's not some big idea of, you know, well, I need to be in church seven days a week and I got to watch an hour of sermons every day. No, it's bringing God into every part of your day and putting him first. It's saying, I got to be at work today. I got to make a living. I got, I got to go to work. I'm going to have to work eight, nine, ten hours today. Okay, that's fine. Prioritizing your life. At the first, I'm on my way to work. I'm in ministry, my job become my ministry. It's where you become, your whole life is like everything is God's. So in your money, it's not saying, oh, give a ton of money. It's just saying, God, I prioritize you. The first tenth of my money is yours. It's saying, God, in every area of my life, you're not my last resort. You're my first response. You're the first thing I think of. When it comes to my kids, the first thing I want to do is have them in church on Sunday. Come on, somebody. Because I'm going to mess them up the rest of the week, so we're going to get them in church on Sunday. We're going to get them at least a little word in them. And so we got to get them into the house of God. And it's, it's this idea, look, here's the deal on prior, uh, prioritizing our life and organizing our life around the things we say we prioritize. It, the idea is, here's, here's a good example, real simple. Sunday morning, is no longer an option. You don't see it as it's the last day of my weekend and I might get there if I have time and I hope I can make it. 
it's where you say Sunday is the first day of the week. In America, go look at your calendar, pull it up on your iPhone. Sunday's still the first day of the week, and it's where saying Sunday morning, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to worship God. I'm going to hear his word. I need a church like this. I need a place to start my week where I can come in and begin to just throw all my problems at the feet of Jesus. Come on, how many of you need a church where you can come in and be reminded that God is good? How many of you need a church where when you come in, they lift your head up instead of put you down? I love this place. I love this place where I have a church where I can come in and have drummers that wear a Metallica t-shirt. Come on, somebody. That kick bass. I was about to go off. I'm about to run a lap up in here. The Pentecostal going to come out. You need a place where you can be reminded that God is good. You need a place where you can be preached to and challenged. You need a place that can help you become the best version of yourself. So no longer is church an option at the end of my week. It's the first appointment on my calendar at the beginning of my week. This is no longer an option. I remember when we grew up, I kind of got saved almost like vicariously through like an invitation. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I think I'll, heaven, that sounds good, yes. Um, and so I got invited to church. The preacher was like, if you don't turn or burn, you're going to be crispy. And I was thinking, like, we talking like fried chicken? But anyway, and so I was hungry, and I wanted to pray. And I was like, if I go up first, they'll end the service. So I went up and prayed, praise the Lord, got my ticket to heaven. And then I remember, this is before I really became a disciple of Jesus, I was just a Christian. And I remember thinking that I said the prayer, and every now and then we'd wake up on a Sunday, and mom would be kind of like, should we go today? That's not following Jesus. Oh, I'm preaching hard now. This is that ouch, not ah. It's, man, it's, I'm going. The, the, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's deciding that it's not a, Option, it's an opportunity to be a child of God. And so I begin to say, I'm going to prioritize, my, or my, my priority is the things of God. I'm going to seek first because he said all these other things will be added unto me. When I seek him first, then it's no longer an option. It's I'm organizing my life around what matters most. The second thing I would challenge you with today as being a part of the family and finding this fulfillment in God's family is to make a commitment to community. To just say, you know what, I'm all in. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed that whatever I get into gets into me. If I get into something, you know, there was a time in the 90s, anybody grew up in the 90s in here, when Michael Jordan, everybody knew he's the best basketball player of all time. There was no debate. It was just, we, and, and some of us, we still know, come on. Amen, I'm preaching good right here. And, uh, and so we watched Michael, and I wanted to be like Mike, and I watched Space Jam. I was, like, young, and it just made me, I got in. Before I knew it, I wanted to have the Jordans, and I better cut a lot of grass, <laughs> a lot of grass. Back then, you got, like, $10 a yard. You better be cutting some grass to get some Jordans. And I got into it. Here recently, this, when COVID came and everything like that, I went to the uh, thrift store just kind of with the kids, and I found something called a boom box. Y'all remember those? Oh, man, somebody was like, yes. It wasn't no little baby Bluetooth speaker, little crybaby, want to hook up, maybe it don't want to, you know. No, this thing was, everybody loves a good boom box. You plug it in and put that cassette or that CD in, and then, baby, you got it going. And I found these old cassette tapes at the thrift store. And it was something called REO Speedwagon. Who knows what I'm talking about? And I put that in there, 
And then I got the Eagles, and I couldn't fight the feeling anymore. And next thing I wanted to be Desperado. I mean, I'm just going. I'm going through the whole, the, the whole catalog. Next thing, I mean, I'm just listening. Then I found Leonard Skinner. Don't, don't, and I'm just, man, next thing you know, I'm picking up a guitar. I'm wanting to chew. I'm want, I mean, I'm just like, I'm like, man, I'm telling you, I'm being real. I was like, my wife's like, who are you? I, I still had the Jordans in the closet. And I remember the Jordans, but now I'm into like boots. And then I went with your pastor to Wyoming. Oh, my gosh. They put me on the back of a horse. Man, here I was. Wranglers, I came home, look, I'm, I mean, flannel and a cowboy hat. She's like, what happened to my husband? I'm like, I'm a brand new man, about to be under the light of a neon moon. I mean, I'm just, it just kept going, man. I just kept going and getting into it. Whatever you get into gets into you. I find myself spending money on a fly rod. I don't know what happened to me. And, and, and it's just whatever you get into, it gets into you. And, uh, and, you know, next thing I know, my whole house of vintage, it's weird. And so, but <laughs> whatever you get into, it will get into you. If you get excited about it, you start consuming it, it starts consuming you. So I'm asking you to get into God's word. I'm asking you to get into a life group, get into community. I'm asking you to, whatever, you know, the Bible says wherever you place your money, your heart gets there. This past year, everybody got into Dogecoin and all this kind of stuff. I watched all my little friends uh, download some app, you know, and put, put some money in. And every day, they're watching it, and they're all, you know, watching how, what's it doing today. And why? Because they were invested in it. But yet, we don't invest in the kingdom, and we wonder why our heart's not here. Whatever you get into is going to get into you. God's, it's not a, it's not a, a chore. It's an opportunity. It's not I have to, it's I get to. It's not an option. It's God opening up a door and saying, come on, like, let's do this together. You get into God, God's going to get, I watch, think about it in worship. I, mean, I remember back when I first started worshiping, I didn't really get into it. I just kind of watched everybody else and thought, they're weird. I see people, you know, it's funny, if you go to a concert, you see people rocking their head and jumping up and down, you don't think it's weird. But if you're in church and you see that coming up, I was like, what's, this is weird. And then I started to get into it. And interestingly enough, when I got into it, it got into me. I started saying, all right, Holy Spirit. I started singing the words. Instead of, just, instead of just, you know, whispering them and doing a little Christian karaoke, I started singing them as prayers from my heart. And as I began to get into God and get into his heart and get into his presence, when I got into his presence, his presence got into me. And then all of a sudden, man, now I'm a pastor. What happened? I messed around and got into the Holy Ghost. I messed around and got into church. I messed around and went all in and stopped kicking tires and being a consumer and got on the field and got in the game. And I want to tell you something. You're looking for fulfillment. Things don't satisfy. The next door opens. You think, man, when I get that truck, then you get that truck and you wish, man, I, I wish I'd have got that boat. And then you get that boat and you're like, man, I got to get that four wheel. It's always, it's just a never ending cycle. You think one day I'll get married and then, you, you know, you get married and you're like, whoo, what did I do? And then you, you, then, you, then you think, well, maybe we just have some kids. And then you have kids, you're like, whoo, we're really in it now. And then you think, if I could just get them all out the house. And then, and then what I'm saying is the enemy will distract you with believing that fulfillment is in something else in some other season, but really it was right here in his family all along. Really it was right here in you taking your seat at the table and saying, you know what, I am a child of God. And so you will, watch this, you will find fulfillment in the family. As you 
organize your life around the things that matter most and seek first the kingdom of God, he will add everything else. As you begin to get planted and get rooted in God's house, watch this real quick, Psalm 92 and uh, verse 13. Those who are planted, those who are planted, let's go back to Psalms 92. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Whatever you root down is what will fruit up. And you wonder, why am I, what did you root yourself in? If you root yourself in that football team that never wins a championship, you ain't going to be fulfilled. Every season's going to come, and you're going to go, man, not again. If you root yourself in financial you know, wealth, you're going to get there. One day you're going to have all the money and still not be fulfilled. But you rooted yourself in making money. You root yourself in having all the friends, but one day the party's going to be over, and you're going to find yourself alone. Or you can root yourself in God's family. And when you get rooted down in God's word and you get rooted down in worship and you get rooted down in the house of God, then all of a sudden the fruit of God comes out of your life. And people look and go, how is your marriage different? How do you still have joy? How did you make it? And you'll be able to say, I got myself rooted in God. Whatever you root down is what will fruit up. And today I just want to tell you that God's inviting you. He's inviting you in. He's inviting you in to be a part of his family. I want to read Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. For through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. See, God didn't come to build a building. God didn't come to start a political movement. God didn't come to form a nation or, or start some, he didn't, he didn't come to, to, to start some type of entity on the earth. The first thing God did was he made a family, Adam and Eve. And he told them, be fruitful and multiply because you're my family. And God said, you'll bear my image. And the whole reason Jesus came was because the children of God were separated from their father. And he came to lay down his life so that we could be adopted in and so that we could have access. That's what that scripture said. For you have access to the father through Jesus. You know, Whitney and I, we bought a house a few years back. It's been a while now. And we moved in and we had our two kids. And the house had four bedrooms. And we just found ourselves with this extra bedroom. We, we'd always talked about doing foster care maybe doing something like that. When we moved to this house, we felt so blessed. We had this extra bedroom. And instead of letting it just collect junk and becoming a storage room, and uh, we said, you know what, we're going to clean this room out and we're going to put a bed in there and we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to get our foster care license. And when we did, they asked us some questions. One of the questions they asked us was, well, what age do you want? And we had young kids in the house and we thought, well, we'll just, we'll just do young kids. And so we ended up being kind of one of the families that they would always call when they had a baby or an infant that they needed. And so they would call us, we'd get multiple phone calls throughout the year as we opened up our home and we would go to the hospital and we would go into the, the, the unit there where they had the little babies and we would carry home these babies that uh, just didn't have a family. And often what would happen is after a few weeks or maybe a few months, they would call us and they would say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Lunsford, uh, we, 
the, the parent, the mother has passed her drug test. She's doing good. And so we need you to bring the baby to this, you know, to, to this drop off. And we're going to, we're going to transition the baby back into its family. And then we get another phone call after having a baby for a few months. And I remember Josiah, we had him and, and to take the baby and they'll say, okay, now listen, after a while, they'll call you and they'll say, here's what's going to happen. There's a, a family member who wants the baby. We found an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. And so we take the baby and we give the baby and pray over it and give it to the, the family. So we just got to have these babies for a season. One day we got a phone call. We went up to the hospital and there was this baby and his name was Andrew and picked him up just like every other child and took him home and began to feed him and began to raise him. A few weeks went by, six weeks went by, a couple months, a few months went by. Nobody ever, nobody ever called and said, Andrew has a family. Nobody ever called and said, uh, hey, his aunt wants him, his uncle wants him, his grandmother wants him. Nobody ever called and said his mom passed the drug test, she's, she's on track, she's doing better. Nobody ever called, no, no father ever showed up to be Andrew's dad. And so the question was after a year was, would you want to keep Andrew? And how many of you know there's some things you don't gotta pray about? You just say, what? Yeah, we'll do that. We're good for that. So they called us up to the courthouse and we go up there with Andrew. And I'll never forget it, our whole family dressed up. And the, they, they announced Andrew to be our child and his last name became Lunsford. And I signed a piece of paper and my wife signed a piece of paper and now he's ours. We adopted him. And you know what? That was a few years ago. Andrew was about two years old by the time we signed the papers to adopt him. And he's four now. And he can talk real good and he is wild, crazy, and we love him so much. I, I'm, I'm a, I like to work, right? And I work at a, the church office. And when I come home, all the kids want dad's attention. You know, dad, moms have to do, be the, you know, they have to do all the rules and all. I get to come home and just like throw candy out of my pocket. And, you know, Whitney gets to be mad at me. And, and so, you know, I come to the table. And as I come to the table, all the kids are there. And we do this almost every night, dinner at the table. And they're all talking and everything like that. And you know what? Never once has it even ever dawned on me or crossed my mind to say, hold on, hold on. Uh, I want to address Jamin first because he's my biological son. Or hold on, let me talk to Ellie right now. Andrew, you're adopted. No, he has the same. He has the same authority. He has the same inheritance. He has the same, he has the same love because here's the deal. God has adopted us. Jesus has given us access, and yet we walk around acting like we're stepkids or acting like we're, we're acting like we're thrown off by God, and it's a problem. And Lord, if you know, I know it's kind of humble and sounds a little cute, but Lord, if you could just help. No, he said, I don't want fearful slaves, I want confident children that can crawl up in my lap. And I'm telling you today that your freedom is found. If you could have found freedom on your own, you'd have found it by now. It's found in the family. When you commit to the community and you say, I'm going all in, and this is where you'll find that place where you're no longer saying, what do I need? But you say, my soul is satisfied. Is your soul satisfied today? Because when you have a seat at God's table, God satisfies your soul. And today he didn't just say, well, I just saved you so you can go to heaven, be a good Christian. He said, follow me. And you can change the world. Because it's not about your activity. It's about your identity. And when you know who you are, 
your activity will flow from that place when you know that you have a seat at the table. Every eye closed and every head bowed this morning. I just want to pray with you. And uh, let me be somebody to invite you. Let me invite you to receive the grace and the goodness of God. Some of you today, you say, I haven't done enough. Well, that's, that's not how this works. Some of you today say, well, I don't know enough. That's not how this works. Some of you today, you say, well, I've, I've prayed before. Today is a brand new day. There's fresh mercy. With every eye closed and with every head bowed, if today, maybe you're watching online, you would say, today is the day that I need, I need to go all in and I need to follow my Father. Jesus made a way for you. If you want to receive his grace right now and you know that you, if you were to, right now, if, if you were to be honest, you were to say, Jesus has not been the Lord of my life. He might have been a part of my life. He may have been, uh, it may have been my life and a little Jesus, but if right now you say, today is the day that I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to be led by his spirit. I need to follow him. Then right now, I want you, nobody looking around, I want you to lift your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Today's the day I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life, and I'll pray with you right there. You can lift your hand. I'll be glad to pray with you. If you're watching online, you can let us know. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you gave us access to your Father. Father, I thank you that you adopt us as your children. Thank you, God, that today I can follow you into freedom. Thank you for giving me a family. Thank you for giving me a purpose. And thank you for giving me hope. I trust that as you laid your life down, Jesus, I was able to find mine. I believe that you rose from the grave so that I can rise up today. And I will follow you forward in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said together, amen. Come on, can we give God praise for all?